The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Escape. Hey, y'all. Rule. Rule. Powell is with us. Calling oh, in from dear. Des Moines. Des, Des the Moines. Des Moines in the generic New South. Deck yep. the house with bowels of, of howl, 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 I'm happy to have you I back, Howl. I did think, actually, about maybe we should release a Christmas album of of well-known Christmas songs, but entirely done with the word roll. Yeah, mm. I think we should do it in, in full... Uh, are like made up Welsh. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Just a I sort agree. of made up Welsh American hybrid language, but every chorus just goes roll for every word. Speaking of, I don't feel like you've been on the show since I've watched this uh, most recent season of The Crown, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of Wales uh, references in there. It's, Wales is very much in the zeitgeist. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but it is. Well, well, I know, I, I know that at a fundamental sort of sacred level, of course. You yeah, know? like um, it's they, in the perpetual zeitgeist for me. Uh, they cover like the the Abervan. Uh, yeah, the Abervan disaster. Yeah, yeah, they cover they cover that, and then also Charles going to Aberystwyth uh, to the university. Yeah, to you know learn Wales and give his his investiture speech in Welsh. Uh, oh, interesting. Which apparently caused a bit of a stir in the 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 royal family. <laughs> That's me being English and outraged. Yeah, because the guy he learned Welsh from was like a staunch Welsh nationalist, and sure. like so apparently his investiture speech had. I think they took some creative liberties with the show, but even the 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 historical one had like some. Uh, Maybe like slightly Welsh nationalistic tinges to it uh, is what I. Well, I um, I also read an interesting. I mean, I haven't watched The Crown because I couldn't be less interested in the royal family. Um, Oh, that's fine. But but I, uh, um, however, you know, weird. I don't feel like I'm a hundred percent a Republican, despite having said that. But um. I just feel like if you are going to have these sort of symbolic figureheads for nation, I I was going to say, I don't know. I'm confused by that, but carry on. Um, oh yeah, different former Republican. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I'm quite the Scandinavian model of monarchy is probably something I'm a little bit more aside with. If you're going to say that, you know, having some form of symbolic figurehead is useful for the sort of psyche of a nation, but um, you know, the Scandies just like basically strip them of all their assets and just give them a nice house to sit in. <laughs> I think is the mm. general gist. That sounds pretty nice. <laughs> and then they wheel them out for some events. Um, but the British version of it is still very entrenched in terms of like wealth and land and all that stuff, and it's pretty odd. Uh, so I try not to give the royal family much time a day. But um, uh, yeah, there was I read a really interesting piece of criticism about that Abervan episode uh, for on the Crown. Uh-huh. I just came across it uh, when I was reading a sort of comment piece, and it was kind of in passing. It wasn't focused on it, but it was about how 
it was like a combination of how it was something about how like fictional representations can make you feel more favorable towards things when the real life uh you know it's like it's something about historical narrative you know and this being like the truth and it makes you project the fictionalized interpretation onto people in reality yeah and it ended up talking about how the prince andrew jeffrey epstein sex scandal stuff had woken this journalist up to then look at the crown in a very different way <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and one of the things she mentioned in passing about the Fan disaster she just suddenly she was like at first i found it moving and then she, i think she said um she was like but then you realize actually this whole episode has been organized about how the death of countless children um, somehow it was all about actually just whether the queen could cry or not. And she was like, it just felt a bit disgusting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's not really about whether the queen could cry, is it? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but within the framework of the program, um, that because she's the focus of the drama, um, you know, that was, that was the sort of nexus point in it. Whether she yeah. can sh- whether she can shed a tear or not, but I uh, but it's, I, think, I just I was interested. I don't, I, don't nec- a... I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I just was interested to read it, you know, in terms yeah. of the perspective of like, very, it's a very British response, I think, to people who don't, who aren't into the monarchy. Yeah, yeah. in that I, respect, I watched. You know? I I mean, like I've seen the the episode. I I don't know if that necess- I think it, it it doesn't make. So especially with this season, uh, particularly. Um, she does not always come off. I, I don't think that the show is necessarily a, a ringing endorsement of her uh, or mm. of the monarchy in general, because that's kind of the, yeah, it is the crux, like whether or not, you know, yes, it is about, uh, it is about whether or not, you know, she can show emotion in this thing, um, but she can't. So that's kind of the, uh, yeah, well, I guess she does at the end. I mean, so it's kind of a yeah, it is kind of like a weird that that end the way they end it is kind of weird. But like that's the whole, um, you know, odd thing about it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I I, I kind of get where she's coming from on that. Yeah, but I, I also read I mean, I ways. I read that and I was intrigued by that because it's a matter of. But I don't completely subscribe to it as a perspective because I feel like the inner life of a wildly rich aristocratic person is equally as valid as someone who is not that, you know, so I'm not yeah. uninterested in those, in those narratives. And, um, you know, I, but there's interesting questions to be asked if you're approaching, if that's your sub- the subject matter as a screenwriter, mm-hmm. how you might try and, um, how much space you can, or how you can maybe try and organize a narrative to make it feel balanced with, let's say that larger tragedy or, you know what I mean? Those are the questions mm-hmm. I think as a writer that you try to approach. And I haven't seen the episode. So, you know, I was just interested to read that response. It definitely, uh, it was interesting in terms of what it was trying to say about how, um, for me as a, like someone who writes, you know, fictional drama, I, that was an interesting, and I've just written something which is based on so-called real events. You know what I mean? That you have to take liberties, obviously. Yeah. It's not even taking liberties. You're trying to really, you realize when you're getting into it, obviously you cannot replicate the truth unless you're literally typing out documentary quotes. But, yeah, it's not or, like whatever the tr- or whatever the truth whatever. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It raises bigger questions about what truth is in that respect. You know, it's just about, can you try, it feels, always feels more about whether you can try and capture the spirit of something, you know, <laughs> and whether the spirit of it's being captured. But there is an interesting thing to be had about how, I think there's a very interesting debate about how, and this is what the journalist I think was getting at, was about how fictionalized narratives of recent events can be, can become 
because of the sort of how we endow fictionalized dramas with a sense of not only, I think, maybe a sense of glamour almost, do you know what I mean? We elevate yeah. them. So it's almost like it, 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 we start to see them almost as a greater truth and we're more, and it's easier to believe that necessarily than engage with the reality. That's the thing that's very interesting, I think. Yeah. And there is a form of a responsibility then, isn't there? I don't know what that responsibility is. Maybe there isn't, but you end up, it raises interesting questions. I remember knuckling with it myself when I was trying to write The Worst Window, you know. I think it's the same thing with like all these movies that come out about the, uh, you know, that have come out in the past few years about things that have happened within the past 20 years. Uh, you know, the Iraq war and, uh, the, you know, just the whole general wars in the Middle East uh, and the uh, 9-11 and all these like, in, like things that have happened recently that we're all, we're still getting details about that we don't actually have like the full picture on. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of strange where it, like it feels like it's being certain. It's like these real life events, tragic events, are being used to like tell specific types of stories that may or may not be. Uh, well, uh, it's something to do with the. Um, I think the big question is uh, not the big question, but the, uh, yeah, yeah. But I think it's about the me- the medium. You know, this is. Yeah, it's that when you we're used we live in an era now whereby I think if you go to a theatre for example just to backtrack a bit to look at different mediums if you go and see a play even if it's one that looks like it has a really like really realistic set you know <laughs> it looks so real you know and um, and uh, and it has and it's addressing let's say a contemporary like let's say, historical story which is alive or recently alive in the truth of the world. You know what I mean? Something that's happened, let's say. And um, even then, you're sitting in a room in the dark with lots of other people, <laughs> you know, and you're and like the, the artifice of that is extraordinarily obvious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a sort of like the real life interaction with it is a very sort of, you know, there's something of a metaphysic about it or a metaphorical or a symbolic level of engagement that you're like inherently aware of due to the nature of that like, you know that you're in a you theater and there's these like yeah you know it's all very pretend so in a funny sort of way you, i think that isn't a useful not just a useful but like a really fundamental balance to the yin and the yang of trying to present a narrative from the real world but i'm not saying that tv dramas you're not aware of the artifice like if but they're much more persuasive because their basic fundamental form isn't it i think i think this is the you know it's vaguely sure i think is that you're attempting to create a verisimilitude of reality do you know what i yes. mean you want it to be super real and it's done around the edit so there's a persuasive the control of how you frame the narrative is stronger well, and it's, it's present it's presented as a reality do you know what i mean it's and also closer used- to how you would imagine a real event it's, because you're exactly, you're not yeah. there for the filming but you're also not there for the actual thing it's portraying. So it might exactly, as well yeah. be the actual thing it's portraying. Yeah, it, it, you're not it, yeah exactly. One. Yeah. yeah, in your mind, it ends up... You, I think it invites like your the human mind you know, to sort of elide it with what the truth might be in a far more persuasive way. And that's quite seductive, I think, as someone who's trying to make those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite... That's a very powerful position. I think maybe more so, really, than a theatrical one because the artifice of theatre is so much more open and so the nature of the spirit of the truth of something becomes much more flexible, I think, in that way, you know, um, in terms of how you interact with it. But I think the other thing about TV or film is that, of course, this we're used to TV news or documentary as well. So there's a sense... And also, good TV acting can feel that level. You're not having to project your voice. You know, there's a, there's a size to it in a theatre, for example... But 
you know, there's that you're used to documentary. So there's this weird, there's another sort of background form that's informing how you interact with a drama about so-called real events. You know what I mean? There's sort of, and, you, and there's also a sense of an expectation that it should be almost as real as, say, documentary film. And documentary film is, of course, itself something which is arranged and ordered for you in a way which is not the truth, so to speak, but it's made up of live footage. You know what I mean? It's like it all exists in this space that is sort of nudging you towards persuading you that it's the thing itself. Mm. I think that's what that journo was getting at. And her point about the royal family was like, we must remember it's not the thing itself. <laughs> and, um, and this glamorous interpretation of them is a little bit wide of the mark. Mm. Camouflage. Camouflage. Yeah, yeah, camouflage, yeah. Camer. It's, it's really it's really gnarly, you know. I guess I feel I sort of I guess maybe because I write for theatre, I find myself thinking that the theatrical way of engaging with so called real event is like feels fundamentally a more I mean it's a more flexible space, but I think maybe it might invite you to engage with those bigger questions about the truth of these things and how to think about them in in imagination and in memory in a more maybe in a more truthful way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's also, like, with, you know, specifically with, like, the British royal family or with any, like, figureheads we place at something, it's kind of, uh, you know, we have a we have a tendency, I'm sure this will happen with, you know, all of the, the movies and TV shows and stuff that will be made about different presidents and stuff like that. I mean, it does happen this way. But, you know, we have a very, especially right now, dealing with our current president and looking back on, like, Obama, and we have a very specific way of, like, you know, if you were to describe words about him, it would be, like, honorable or things like that. But, like, is that yeah. necessarily true? Especially with all these documents that just came out about how, just like the Bush administration, they were lying to us about how well the wars in the Middle East were going and knowingly doing so, you know, in the same yeah. way that... So it's kind of well, like, well, we just abide by like comparative truths. Yeah, we're just kind of like, that's, oh, that's he was thing. so cool, and like I still have that oh, feeling, yeah. like where I'm just like, ah, oh, but he was cool and like good, mm-hmm. and like we want him to be like the good guy in some way. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Like, the truth is, it's all you know. Like you have a handful of like truly like monsters that were that have been rulers of places, but everybody else who we call good is kind of, I mean, it's the truth is just a lot dirtier. It's like, I don't think that there's been a president or a King or a leader or a prime minister or anything that is like, I mean, I know for a fact, like there just aren't any that are all of them by just the sheer nature of being in charge or in power have done something that you would consider heinous or evil. Mm. It's just impossible not to. Some of them just do it all the time and are really obvious and you can go, well, that's a bad guy. I know Mm -hmm. what a bad guy looks like and that's a bad guy. And then some of them, you know, are Luke Skywalker from the last Jedi, uh, trying to kill Ben Solo, you know? That's right. Yeah. I, I I wonder very much. Ben Swolo. Well, it just invites sort of bigger questions, doesn't it? About the nature of what you're not wanting to look at, you know, that, that the human, that our mind's ability to both organize the past in terms of in terms of narrative for ourselves because that's how we construct a sense of self you know mm-hmm. but also you know i guess you know it's like a contemporary word everyone's keen on the biases at play in terms of that but that almost touches on something a little bit on the surface we think of those really in terms of political biases but it's sort of i think you know only like shrink i'll probably talk to you about um 
you know, the, the, this, there's a there's a sort of dynamic of of not wanting to engage with difficult matters, which is a very fundamental one. You know, and so mm-hmm. maybe our means, maybe the means of fictionalizing things is a way to, um, you know, in terms of sublimating them into form in art, you know, maybe that's a way of engaging with that dynamic or trying to pick it apart or even sometimes just adhering to it, you know, but it's definitely a big, it feels like a contemporary concern because you definitely, it's like, it echoes into all that stuff that you see in like contemporary discourse about the ideas of, you know, snowflakes or whatnot, you know, all that stuff. Um, feels almost engaged with that idea of like that there's some material that's too difficult to take potentially and whether that's and the, and it's it being an open question whether it's a good thing to try and force yourself to engage with it or whether it's not and it's just make i.e. I. offensive or maybe hurtful and damaging you know and where's the dividing line between that and like what are the means to try and do it do you know what i mean yes open questions right Mm. Open questions with even more open answers. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like I think, I mean, God, it can sound so woolly, but I, I do feel like uh, art or or story is a way to engage with that dynamic um, in terms of, you know, inviting ways to confront some of those things in ourselves in a way that can feel manageable or invites that sort of, questioning or looking you know i think it can be but i think you have to be open to seeing that because i also think that people just want there to be clear good guys and bad guys a lot oh yeah yeah that's yeah yeah i think you're right yeah it's about i think think they'll manufacture that in people in like they'll manufacture that in the art as well even with obviously bad characters like in yeah. like the you know the if the 2010s were anything it was like especially for t- television it was like the year or the decade of like the anti-hero the you know john ham from mad men uh don draper uh or yeah uh, yeah yeah uh, breaking bad uh, walter white you know like yeah, john wick yeah like the like hero is the uh you know is the bad guy type situation or or maybe a, a bad guy can be a hero yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, the antihero has been around a long time. Yeah, yep. mm, I think it was actually invented uh, in two thousand. Uh, uh, it was actually Matthew in, Weiner in uh, Mad Men. No, it was <laughs> earlier than that. It was nineteen probably ninety five or ninety six with a skateboard company called Antihero. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. invented it. They invented it. Just a, it was just a word that they, yeah, put, they on put on skateboard. Skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like a weird. Uh, I don't know. I. I uh, I say all that to say, like, yeah, it is kind of interesting to see, especially like interest, in, you know, like the crown being a thing, um, and especially like the first two seasons being pretty, uh, being more um, complimentary of, uh, of Elizabeth and, you know, the royal family, uh, and kind of like bolstering her popularity, and then have all like the Prince Andrew and like Jeffrey Epstein and stuff coming out. It is a very interesting, like A and B thing. You uh, yeah. you blend in some batteries over there. <laughs> I just I just dropped a bag. <laughs> that was the. <laughs> it's not like you were working a, in a machine did shop. You drop a bag full of empty cans. <laughs> oh. Wow. I'm Germany. <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped in Germany because why not? Um, <laughs> just dropped a bag. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I dropped a suit. I dropped a suitcase. 
Mm. Um, I was carrying out on my um there's an information for everyone listening, very vital piece of information. I was lifting a suitcase out of a large wardrobe filled with shit. There you mm. are. There we go. That makes sense. Yeah. Um what were we just saying? Yeah, it's the good and bad thing, you know. I just uh I mean what's the about the royal family so you're suggesting that I was maybe saying it's... it's just interesting to, you know, to kind of there's that uh you know, holding two ideas in your head at the same time. Of yeah, yeah. Like I think watching that meant the art story has a way unfold. of inviting you to and to engage with. Yeah, you, you know, with that idea in yourself. You know, it invites you a way of looking stories outside of the sort of the thrust of everyday reality to confront what it is. Because I think it's that thing that we like to think. Of, we also like to think of, say, memory as being a fixed entity. You know, mm-hmm. but of course, it's also filled with our own like versions of how we want to see things and informed by events and emotional, you know what I mean? All that stuff is also true in the way that we narrativize ourselves. So it both is a kind of an echo and a mirror of that function that we have, but also Mm -hmm. a way to sort of for us to reflect on how we might do that, you know, and to see how those other aspects of ourselves or other versions of those stories in ourselves might be possible, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, including the good and the bad for that matter. It's deep, man. Yeah, man. Every time I say something deep, it's deep. And I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very deep. Uh, the, uh, it, it definitely, like, I, I, you know, to to wrap up our, our royal talk, I definitely think that y'all got to pare down that family. You know what I mean? I think that, as in, like, you know, I don't think we need all the, you don't need the superfluous ones. Like, why is Prince Andrew around? You know what I mean? Why does he get to... You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, there's just too many. What are you like, suggesting, why? No, I'm not suggesting like anybody gets murdered or anything like <laughs> uh-huh. that. I'm just saying, like, you know, like Princess Anne. I don't think like gave her children any titles. Like, I don't think that Prince Andrew's kids need to be like Princess Beatrice and and whoever. Like, you're not a princess if, if like if you're like 50th in line for the throne. I don't think you should get money from the government or or be called on anything. You know what I mean? Well, like, no, well of course not, man. It's absurd. And like, who, the, um, you know what I'm saying? Who's like, going to make that call? Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to take this money from well, the government. Well, in ba- in apparently in back channel or like in the rumors is is that Prince Charles wants to make that call. He's just like I I think that <laughs> You know what? None of these kids get nothing. No, yeah. 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 No, that's what what I've heard, or that's what's been reported. Just like, hey, guys. But he's still rich, though. Still wealthy. Yeah, but he's next in line. But all of that stuff, like (laughs) all of those titles, they all come from the idea that royalty is somehow related to divinity, right? Sure. They're all all sort of, they they knock towards this... this idea of being somehow some sort of divine connection representative on earth. And so like, you know, in these days, you know, (laughs) you can't, I'm not sure how much that can be upholded, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for these like random two sort of offset, you know, like the fourth son's daughters, you're just like, are we going to endow them with that quality? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if like your like 30th cousin, uh, should be, you know, the duke of white castle <laughs> or something you know like the just like some random thing like i don't know man so it like, goes back to our star like, wars I conversation guess, like, the thing you know the the pro thing is like it drives a lot of like tourism and all that mm-hmm. stuff and i get that it's like yeah queen elizabeth like the royal yeah drives a lot of tourism 
your for your fortieth cousin does not. No, like does so. Not. Why would I like? Why is she? Getting they're money? doing a bunch of cocaine. Yeah, they're doing a bunch <laughs> with of with Arab princes with with taxpayer dollars. That's that's, that's what they're doing. That's, that's what they're exactly what's happening. Yeah. Prince Andrew is going to the you know riding on the Lolita Express and going to Little Saint Jeffrey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yep. It's funny, you know, like it's it's but there's some curious things at play there. Like, I don't mean to I'm not a devil's advocate for the monarchy, but I, the first thing I think of, I'm not a fan of the monarchy, but I do remember when like Prince William got married to uh, uh what's her phone, Kate. Um mm-hmm. that they that wedding was pretty intriguing. Like it was like a big national street party. And yeah. I remember just enjoying I remember enjoying the street party and I found I found a cardboard cut out of Prince William's face and I stuck it on my face and walked around and um waved like a royal and got really drunk and it was fun you know um but but it, there was a sort of sense of national bringing together so there was i definitely felt like i experienced senses of that that symbol being something that had some sort of use you know but it was also like a celebration of love and that in a yeah. sort of grand scale and that also one. isn't without third value, in line, you, know? you know what i mean yeah. that's i'm not yeah. i'm not arguing against the, the ones that like uh, well, that people fun, talk yeah, about yeah, and, totally. and you know and like and, but see, but and then, make the money. I'm well, just talking about like I don't know. If there's a a you know uh yeah what's her um all the admiralty gets blown up in a star f- battle and True. then uh, Vice Admiral Holdo has to take over. That's what, what I'm saying is then the, then you go find that person and just say hey guess what you're king now or queen or whatever. Uh, like in the Netflix movies and yeah, the, like in the, the Netflix Hallmarks movies and stuff. exactly. I'm with that. There could be more Hallmark type like just I'm with you know, that. little like, like a 16 year old girl gets a work, phone call exactly. and says she's working at a bakery. You've never heard of this country. It's called yeah. England, but you're now the queen of yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I watched one of those just the other night, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna. In the, it's I wonder, gonna be I wonder like how the, much we know, need those roles. Do you know what I mean? The Easter princess or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much we need what roles? Not just royalty, but these these senses of class and status. Because well, it's. What do you mean? We. You know, no. As in, I wonder how much humans kind of need some these this sort of how much people need this sort of hierarchy, some sort of a hierarchy. Because you know, yeah. we kind of choose to do it every time. We do. We have. Well, I, but it's hard to know. Do we choose to do it, or does someone choose to elevate themselves, and everyone else has to fall in line because of fear? Because you know, like, I the, think it's uh, both. The, the f- famously, ideas of egalitarian societies, particularly in the communist model, when they're taken to their, you know, it's like yeah. there's still hierarchies at play. Do you know what I mean? And the idea of everyone being on an even keel, or the proletariat, is obviously a fantasy. You know, so they, they, they did not build statues of Vladimir Lenin. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I know that. I'm, statuses I'm, will always go on. So, is the question like, is there a way to manage the, manage that in a way that can feel equal? That's the idea. Of, I guess that's the idea of merit, a meritocratically structured society. You know, um, well, to me, it's a chicken is, and it's a chicken is and there, egg is thing. That yeah, it's chicken. It's, and egg, it's yeah. not a people need hierarchy and structure, so we have hierarchy and structure, or is it that People are competitive by nature and lean towards greed. So them them willing to take the steps to to acquire more power, resource, wealth, whatever, do that. And then structure comes from that because people fall in line either because of fear or because of or, you know, or the other side where there are good leader. And so they do well and people 
I, follow I, them for I, security. I think honestly, people do. I mean, well, I, I think that you can look to almost any application, and I think structure, I think hierarchy and structure is necessary. I think but the question is the question we, is everything yeah, is so organized in that way. Not well, not 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 even in. Yeah, I guess in, I agree with you on that. Only, because only you because think about a basketball team, if all five people are making their own decisions and they think they're making the decisions that are beneficial to yeah. their fellow players, you're just not going to play as well as if you have one coach or a point guard who is like saying, "All right, we're going to run this play." Yeah. Well, I guess there there is a. I just came from a. I did my first ever like. A career counseling thing, but it was way more on the um, like personality yeah, profile yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, and like it is interesting because you know I I think about the world. I think a lot of people maybe do the same. Like you think about the world through your sort of perspective and the way that the way you are. I like I project myself out into the world all the time, and uh, so like the idea of I often forget there are people who don't want to be leaders, and there are people who do genuinely desire to be instructed Mm -hmm. you know to be told what to do and not have to make those decisions for themselves so maybe you're right about that Mm -hmm. um but there's but it's like they but it's almost there's a sort of um an opposition that's necessary like there's a tension between the two like a yin and the yang is that you need the hierarchy so people can feel safe within the hierarchy but Mm -hmm. also the hierarchy needs to feel like people can move up the hierarchy if they so wish or desire yes and if and if the if moving up the hierarchy is seemingly held to be impossible then there's you know, then that is something that often creates an enormous amount of discontent. Cause then that's with this ideas of inequality and that there can be no movement. But yeah, at the same time, you know, there's, there's a sense of like, I want the hierarchy in place. So I both have something to fight against to, you know, to rise up the hierarchy, but also maybe not, I'd only want to a certain degree, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to live better, but I have no interest in being the king. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like somehow both things are true and and important, mm-hmm. and when one and when one level of it is seemingly frozen, it can seem very unfair or peculiar, you know. And that's, yes. that's that might be the that might be the British class system in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like oh, these people seem to own two thirds of the land of the country, and they have done for a thousand years. It's like mm-hmm. that's not a that's not great. Mm. Hey man. Interesting. Laughing fair, you know. Interesting. But, um, Interesting. but that also exists in, I mean, you know, that level of entrenched um, ownership, I think, exists worldwide, doesn't it? But, you know, the UK is its own. We, are, we have these like, weird obsessions about it because we sort of have these old titles and all that sort of stuff and we endow it with all these qualities. But, you know, old rich families or ownership of land and stuff is it's very, very apparent in this fair country as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But in America, they don't like to think about class. There's also because just a of lot the, more because of the dream. Too. Yeah, you're supposed to believe yeah. that you can at any moment completely like you can ascend your class at any yeah. second in America because hell yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, and the class in itself because is we said you could. Some, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore class is in itself some form of a mirage. It's uh it's an illusion that isn't real that you're belie- you're, you're you're believing wrongly. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. think it is something that's fixed, where in the UK there's a very strong sense of the fixation of these things, you know, yeah, and also mm-hmm. like a pr- and also pride in it, you know, and that's also to be proud to be a part of a group of people is, you know, that's can be. I'm not even necessarily saying that's, you know, it's not that that's wrong either, you know. People in the UK will talk about being proudly working class, yeah, because um, it's a part of there's a, a strong sense of community, 
But I don't think you'll hear anyone say, hey, I'm proudly middle class. <laughs> well, you, you, do, you get it in America, and in, it's more complicated. Like, you tend to get people uh, playing lower middle class or middle class who are, in fact, a lot wealthier because of, like, the perceived, like, you don't, like, it's almost like, you know, everyone wants to be rich. But very few people want to be called rich or like seen as. We don't rich. like anybody who was born rich. We we lo- like America is all about like l- looking at the handful of people yeah. who were born not rich and who are rich. rich. Like yeah. we don't we don't really like it if you stay in your station. Yeah, we want you to be, <laughs> right, we right, want right. You to be proudly born lower like yeah. working class, and that's now true. you're middle class or you're upper middle class or you're wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Like that's exa- yeah. that's the only people who that's... get to who we think who we're like proud of no one's mm-hmm. proud because like that all and that's also such a dumb i guess here's my thing is like e- being born so there's it's a it's a complicated thing because when you get into class and you get into like gen- inherited wealth or generational wealth or all these things there are a lot of things that are intrinsically unfair about it but also working and like working your way up and becoming going from poor or working class or middle class to to like incredibly wealthy is also luck yeah all of it's luck there's no there's no there's nothing in there where you're like you can't or, we made money up it's not mm-hmm. real it's just numbers we just made it up uh there's no work hard enough to get it or anything like that like you work yeah sure you can work hard it meaning like you can work very hard and make a lot of money or you can work very hard and not make a lot of money yeah uh kind of just based on where you were born what time you were born uh, you know, like what time period, like, uh, you know, Jay-Z worked very hard. If Jay-Z was born a hundred years ago, he's not a billionaire. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. it's just the way, that's just the way it is. It doesn't have anything well, to do with, like, fair has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you I mean, look at athletes all the time. Like, every single athlete who's ever made it has worked extremely hard. Yeah. There's about 10 billion percent more people who worked equally as hard at their sport who never made it because of completely out of their hands situations like just i just wasn't hurt. born talented as talented as you were or it, but even the people who were like yeah. a pro throw or someone like that who mm-hmm. is like you know an elite athlete who is going to go to the nfl is going to get paid make a lot of money mm-hmm. and then they just get hurt yeah boom done yeah now you're now you're making probably what 60 grand a year mm-hmm. just regular old dude um yep it happens all the time or people look. who are just like you know it's not like like I don't think that Blake Sims worked any less hard than Jalen Hurts or Tua. Or yeah. anything like, he just isn't as good. Yeah, like it's true. And I love Blake Sims, but like he's not going to play in the NFL. But mm. he didn't because I mean he I guess he made it on a scout team or whatever. But like yeah, he's just not as good. Yep, he worked very hard. It's true. That's a Alabama, a former Alabama quarterback for all you uninitiated. And two, yeah. cur- and two current and four. That, it's two four, four and also the, quarterbacks the, 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 the other one. the other like complicated question about the idea of inherited wealth or even just inheritance in general. You know, inherited mm-hmm. money or you know, it, it, is this? There's a very personal relationship to family legacy. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know that's not an abstract. That's no. something. Like if your dad, or even if you, if your grandfather, you know, I mean, most people tend to know their grandparents. You know, not everybody, obviously, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You have like a there's like a strong and visceral connection to these people. It's called love, you know. And it's like, and if that person, there's a narrative attached to them of having done X, and there always is, 
you know life is difficult mm-hmm. no matter who you are even if you know life can seem difficult for so-called wealthy people but it's all a matter of perspective you know it's relative isn't it in many ways but even if let's say like the, the broadest perspective of someone having a rags to riches story and let's say they're your grandfather or grandmother and there's a level of they like you know made a certain not even saying insane wealth you know they built themselves up and then they pass something on either it's you know literally cash or properties or whatever there's a sense of like earned from oh, them yeah. which is like given on in that aspect of love which is like i give this on to you because you're my child you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i wish you to be and i wish you to be safe you know <laughs> and to do your own thing in the world like that has that has currency i mean literally currency obviously but that has like that that's not without meaning it's not worthless either and it's you get into very tricky territories i think when you start to try and prescribe that as if to say that that doesn't that that maybe there's a greater good at play you know, I don't think that's necessarily wrong either. But, you know, the, the, the middle ground is a very tentative one. You know, people hate inheritance tax, don't they? Because they're just a bit like, it's not yours. Yeah. But the whole point of inheritance tax is the idea is that, well, maybe some of that might be good for everyone else, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the UK, inheritance tax is this endless political football. You know, the Labour Party, for one, always saying they might. I don't know if they always say they might raise it, but it's one of those ideas that they will say that if we do raise it, it will go into the NHS. You know, mm-hmm. that money will be aligned for the NHS. It's a way of like morally trying to offset that idea, you know, and mm-hmm. saying if you if we raise income tax, it will go into the military, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, that, that idea of where income tax money goes is very connected to that idea of what legacy should mean, you know, and that it has meaning, actually, and it has emotional meaning. Which is very interesting because in the United States, we never like really delineate like where taxes are like, except for when a big new thing comes. But like, well, it's like the... we do, we, we do very little explaining about like the budget, yeah. like, where things are going. <laughs> we're just kind of like, yeah, just, you know, give it, give us some money. Um, we're not going to yeah, tax but what... you very much. We're yeah. going to spend the little bit that <laughs> exactly. we do tax you is we're yeah, going yeah. to spend 100% on yeah. tanks. Like, you know, it's like 95% is going to tanks and planes. 5% will go to fixing one bridge per year. Uh, and, you know, social and then social security uh, for the olds because, the, you know, they don't want to because we need them to vote for us. Uh, yeah, but like that's the... You know, and we're so what's so weird is that like, you know, the UK, a country with like hereditary nobility has more has like more conversations about and more of like an estate tax or like an inheritance tax than America, a country that's supposed that's quote unquote supposed to be about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps Mm -hmm. and not no kings uh, except for. We'll let you keep all your granddaddy's money uh, because he found oil, and you know your Good neighbor, you. your neighbor's granddaddy can suck it. Yep, <laughs> suck it. Pro- That's because your granddaddy <laughs> shot his neighbor and stole his land. Good for you. Yeah, hell yeah. That's badass, dude. Rev it up. Your you're three times great no... grandfather had slaves. <laughs> Peel Pat out, back, baby. Hell yep. yeah. But whether the um oh. the, the you know whether the uh, <laughs> um. Whether like the UK government of that day who who kind of say that that's where these monies might go is telling the truth or not is obviously an impossible thing to quantify. Do you know what I mean? Like, whether they sure. they say it will be this thing, but they do at least try and say it. So you 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 either think that's incredibly fucking cynical, and I don't believe you, or you maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. 
Um, and I guess if there's any way of quantifying it, you might say, look, you know, budgets are released and they'll say we're putting X amount more money. They'll go, you know, it's literally like we're going to increase inheritance tax by 2%, which is going to equate to X billion a year. And we're going to increase the NHS budget by the same amount of money. And that's the only way that you can really quantify that promise. But, you know, it definitely is in the um, it's definitely can be part of the uh, public conversation in the same way that corporation taxes actually. We have, I mean, like, we have people who, we have, like, politicians who call, like, any type of estate tax or inheritance tax a death tax. You know what I mean? And our whole thing is, you already taxed it one time when I made it. You can't tax it. Like, how's it fair for you to tax it again when I die? And it's like, I don't know, man, just like... It's just, just do it, man. It's just you know, like, it's like need, everything just, else. It's it. over know. a certain number. It just is like, I don't care about your feelings. Yeah. We're talking about over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't yeah. care. And usually it's over like five million yeah, or something sure. like that. But whatever. Like, like still, it's like if you're you know, butthurt about a couple percent yeah, on like, your millions, maybe we should just big crocodile tears, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I think there's a general sense in – I think there's a sort of – you know, this is, this is definitely a bit vague, but I think there's a general sense in the UK that some form of inheritance tax is, like, permissible. I don't think everyone's, like, really overjoyed about it. But I think there's, like, an underlying idea that something of that is has value or worth. Do you know what I mean? But um, but to a greater or lesser extent, I'm sure there's some people who are just like, fuck you. But um, you know, I think there's a sort of general yeah, yeah. idea that it is, like, not without some merit – in theory, but I mean, I'm, there may be some British listeners listening now and just like, you idiot! <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I'm not sure if it's something I've ever really canvassed widely. I just sort of say that instinctively. But um, when you go back for Christmas, would you mind? Uh, I will. I'm going to undertake an extensive survey at the, uh, at the butcher shop. Will you, uh, will you ask around? <laughs> but there's, <laughs> a, there's definitely a. Um, inheritance tax polling. There's definitely a sort of. Um, I, I find myself thinking of the UK as being this sort of in-between state between an American way of thinking and a European way of thinking about these things. You know, like one of the big flavors of like the arc of the conversation in the UK over the past few years, particularly with austerity, um, you know, it's this sense of like as certain parts of the of not only just less privileged, but, you know, hard up members of the population are being, um, you know, having all of their benefits and protection slashed for the sake of a larger balancing of the uk budget and the balancing of the uk budget takes a moral priority over the immediacy of you know the uh the difficulties of people at the at the worst end of society and it's a lot of people would say that it's been absolutely devastating and um but you know that sense of an engagement between like the common you know a a sense of like the common wheel do you know what i mean this Mm -hmm. idea of but there being some sort of social contract in terms of um, uh, the relationship, certainly between tax and um, and like government funding and sort of the supporting the worst off in society. And that obviously extends to the NHS. I think it's quite alive in the UK, but there's equally what's very alive is, I mean, it's very alive in the UK, but I think what's equally very alive is a sort of push from not just more conservative, but more, you know, sort of capitalist voices to sort of push it further away from that to a more deregulized state which is much more akin to America. And there's, that's very much Brexit in some respects in a nutshell, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know, it's one of the, one of the ways you could look at, at Brexit. Cause you know, if you go to Europe, not all of Europe, obviously, but 
certainly in the Northern European countries, there's a sense of a high taxation system for a widely supported say, um, social safety net in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and um, I read a really interesting article, which I would recommend all of our listeners to tune in if you're interested in any of this, particularly American listeners in terms of what the European model might have to offer. There was something the other day. I'll send a link to it. Maybe we can hook it up. It was kind of fascinating. It was, I think, in the New York Times. I don't know if anyone saw it, but it was about Finland, and it was about two, a couple who have moved from the States to Finland to talk about the nature of um, uh, like what it is compared to the states, but one of the most interesting things about it was that it um, was postulating that, the, that it was a deeply capitalistic society and had a deep respect for capitalism, and capitalism had been very helpful. But that wasn't det- but all the sort of money crunchers of the capitalist side of things in Finland had realised that actually capitalism benefited more if people were taxed highly and there was a strong social safety net because it projected a safe way of living in society which made people feel hungry for success and for living instead of lazy mm-hmm. you know which yeah. is kind of the contradiction of the american idea which is if you don't have that if you have that net or you tax higher that you're just going to sit around on your ass like shooting pool doing fuck all you know yeah well it's it's it shouldn't be counterintuitive but we've been sold this thing of like well the economy you know like the capitalism can't work without like it's all you just got to let the market regulate itself. Less, but less like, if the market regulates it, it, the market won't regulate itself. Uh, and if if the people at the top are just hoarding the money, uh, so like that's not the way that. And eventually, it'll stall. If the people at the bottom don't have money to buy things anymore, yeah, then eventually the people at the top are just going to be trading like back and forth it's just going to devalue everything like if that you know yeah, what i mean like or, only... or you're going to have to make things cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper which is what they've been doing so far and why you have things like you know zara and h&m mm-hmm. and ikea and all of these companies that make things that you throw away in six months yeah. uh, because like it's you can only make money by selling cheaply made goods uh, that are designed to be disposable because that's all the people can afford. Yeah, I yeah. just think they should make being a billionaire out illegal. Yeah, ain't no ain't no reason to to be a billionaire. Nope, just make it or not illegal, but just like you're getting taxed at eighty five percent. Yeah, don't do it above. A it's not worth dollars. it. Yeah. Just don't do it. Yeah, above a billion dollars, you're getting hacked. And then it's like, oh, all right, well, looks like everyone just has to... Well, because that way, anybody... Well, the problem is, you can't really... It's hard to do that, because no one's making a billion dollars a year. You know what sure, I mean? It's, it's like your value becomes... Yes. It's like you own something, and then all of a sudden, you own 25% of something, and all of a sudden, that thing is worth yeah. a trillion dollars. Well, then... You that, know, like Amazon. It's like, how do, you, how do you take... You fix that by treating, uh, well... It's very complicated. Yeah, like, it is complicated. I, yeah, it's, it's but not... if you if you just stop giving corporations, if you stop treating corporate, because what are they doing now? They are, they're allowing corporations to act as individuals. Is that the is that the way it works? In a legal, it, yeah. well, I don't know about in in the tax. The tax code is different than the yeah. way that corporations are legal legally persons mm-hmm. in a civil case type scenario. Yeah. Like they have free gotcha. speech. Yeah, and. Etc. But can not be, necessarily can be sued. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of these they can you know they can be sued. They have free speech. Yeah. Etc. But it, it works different for tax code and stuff mm. like that. Um, corporations get taxed just at a very low rate, way lower than yeah, than the, individuals. The individuals dodge the taxes by you know 
offshore accounts and crunching numbers and mm-hmm. and you know reinvesting money and etc. Yeah. And, and like and like making it look like they lost money. Dude. Yeah, we got to we got to we got to get rid of the super rich. Or we, can, we need to have a economist come on. We say we need to have a lot of experts come on, and we generally just have like entertainers and, uh-huh. uh, and comedians <laughs> and writers. It's true, uh, but we'll get real experts someday. We've I had wonder a few how scientists. much. Uh, I guess I. I wonder how much you know, we just ago? talked about that in relation. You know, in relation to the states, I wonder how much that is to do with, you know, the nature of that refusal to want to engage on that level of like. Not just high, whether that sense of the high taxation argument is rooted very deeply in, you know, things we've talked about before in terms of, you know, the origin of the society as people who are getting away from a sense of, you know, tyrannical monarchy and wanting to have the sense of broad individual freedom. And that so any, but that how yeah. far that detaches, that yeah. how far that detaches you from a sense of communal collective in a, um, endeavor, endeavor. Do you know what I mean? To I like wonder put how it in layman's that, terms, the the ideal of America is if you're rich and American, you earned it. Like, well, you know, yes. like that's kind of the, that's the, I, the, the, the belief is like, think, well, you don't deserve this because I deserve this. Unlike, you know, in over there in Europe town where yeah. like people just inherit their money. I earned this money. Mm-hmm. So you, none of you, you just were too lazy and that's why you don't have it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, but I, it's of course, that's very bizarre because in as much as that, no one's becoming rich off the back of the social safety net. <laughs> you know, like in the, in the, it's like they might, let's say in Finland or in the Northern European countries, they'll pay for your tuition for your college. Yeah. You that's know? because there's but, no upward mobility in Europe because they have monarchs and, and whatnot, and you're just born yeah, to surf. Exactly. Yeah, like that's yeah. no, that, that's the argument. Is well, that you know? Yeah, I know. Well, I know. That's, that, but that's an ancient argument, isn't yes. it? That's what's so interesting about it. Well, that it's I, so old. So when I've been watching, unfortunately, watching those hearings um, on the impeachment thing, and the first one was like had was a, you know five hour conversation about the the founders and the and the drafters of the shit, mm-hmm. and. It was really interesting. It was probably the first time I've ever realized that the way our country works, it's what you're saying, but a broader version of that, and it gets more to the foundation of, of all of the things that are problems with the country, with like, our relationship to guns, our relationships to wealth, our relationship to you know civil liberties, and all these different things, is it all comes from the initial fear of what if. If yeah. we don't put these things in place, then that's going to happen, and we're pointing across back over to Europe. Yeah. We're going to get taken over by England again or whatever, and we're going to have to go back home. It's mm-hmm. all a giant what if. Because if you talk to somebody and you're like, I think being a billionaire should be illegal, right? A lot of people are going to argue. There's a lot in me that would want to argue that just to be like, yeah, but what if I – I mean, every what single become- time. Yeah. Every single time. Well, we should not be able to own this amount of guns personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what if the government comes? We should not, you know, yep. we shouldn't stop, you know, gay people from getting married or trans people from doing whatever. Yeah, but what if they come to our school and make our kids gay? Like, yeah. everything comes to, like, this what if scenario of uh, that, that all, you know, when I was listening to them mm-hmm. talking, the you know, the um, the Constitution, like, experts or whatever. Um, were all like everything that they were talking about was this all led back to this hypothetical of like they they set the constitution up this way in case of x y and z yeah everything was like a step towards you know to to thwart a, a, this big giant what if mm-hmm. which all came back to like us having a king essentially yeah. 
um, which I, I just had never really realized that so much of our country, which is all, you know, talked about in these, if we're going to talk about it positively, you know, freedom and liberty and all these cool things is really all rooted in being afraid of having a king. Yeah. That's really it. And that's all the shit we're dealing with today with people being super wealthy, not regulating, you know, uh, corporations, not regulating firearms, military industrial complex, the Bernie Sanders stuff. Yeah. Is all a result of people being way too afraid to give over any power. Yeah, the billionaires, the billionaires, pharmaceutical companies. And so, yeah, and the red and the uh, and the red scare, right? You know. Yeah. But that's but it's still the, the same cold, thing. It goes to the Cold it's, War. I remember when I what if we don't uh, have control know, anymore? When I yeah, what if the government a, becomes too? When powerful. I entered into, yeah. I remember when I entered into some legal proceedings, and the lawyer I talked to, you know, he basically said that the reason why you have to sue after any accident in the U.S. is because everyone was terrified of Russia. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I, was was like, I was like, I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, because they are, um, he said, we don't have an NHS. And the reason is, is because everyone's terrified still latently in the American imagination. Everyone's still terrified of communism. Mm. So, you know, the, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Kind yep. of, maybe. <laughs> That's it, dude. That's like big bad America is really, we're really just afraid. No, of, we're not. Of having a king. No, we're not. Yeah, well, what if a king came over, huh? Yeah. Then what? What if Obama? I'd kick his ass. King Obama. King Obama. <laughs> yeah, I'd kick, his, I'd kick a king's ass, i tell you that. True. All I need to Amazing. do is just work harder and get my billion dollars, and I'd kick his ass. That's right, dude. Me, just I like, can do it, though. Just, just like, like John Jeff Cena, Bezos. just like Donald Trump. That's what I'm going to be. Just like Jeff Bezos, I can do it. That's right. Except for better, because I won't be a libtard. Yeah, true. Um, on that note, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's it. You can send us your comments, concerns. Quite, like You can tell us how we're all stupid, and we're definitely gonna, you're, you're going to be the one that becomes a billionaire, uh-huh. and we're dumb. At firescapepod at gmail.com uh, or, you know, yell at us on social media at firescapepod on all the social media handles. We don't really check Facebook, so you can go on there, but I don't care. You know? Yeah, our moms might see it. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Colger Levi on all the social medias. You can find me on the Instagram at buttermilk underscore Pete. And uh, Howell, you can't find him. But you can find him at the Christmas meat market, maybe. Are you going to go to that? The Are you going to get a, a, a whole ham? A goose. A goose. Oh, oh yeah. I hadn't been thinking about that. Uh, probably. Send, yeah. send I don't have, I don't have anywhere field. to put it. But, um, I'll probably go. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, I mean, why would I not, right? Yeah, why not? Um, why, would, why would I not? Thanks, y'all, for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? I mean, the beer we got drank pretty good, don't it?
The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'.